Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking seed production. Where does your seed come from? How is it grown? In our spotlight, we'll take a look at some new research that is finding hope in battling tar spot. Ag History Minute. Look at the history of seed production. We'll have Cool Beans That's Corny with some current events and wrap things up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. It's been a little chillier this week, and especially out on the football field where the Packers cannot seem to find traction. It's been a... Uh, They're not good. No, no, not a... When they trade away Razul Douglas, too, that is a message that the like white flags up were just... Yep. We're we're officially in a rebuild. They don't want to say that word apparently, but I don't know why they don't. So just want to enjoy say that. the rest of the season yes. for what it is, right? Yeah. Hope some see some improvement in the light at the end of the tunnel. Though the Broncos who beat us did also beat uh, a pretty good Chiefs. team, the Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. So maybe I, maybe there I, is. Some... I mean, there's only one direction to go, and that's up. Right. Right. So from here, I think the Packers will figure it out and get better. I did. It is hard. See, I really liked Razul Douglas a lot. Like that pick he had in that Cardinals game, and then he just did the wave. Yeah, that like was just that was savage. He's good, and like his post game, he'd always say like what people were really thinking. He would, you know, he'd speak his mind. So I wonder if that's one of the reasons why they let him go is because they were sick of him saying too much. But well, Goody just said that he he got an offer he couldn't refuse. Too good. It was make, not well. Make me an offer I cannot refuse. I feel like that offer you could refuse. It was. It was a res- third round pick for a street free agent, though. Is basically if, what they got. No, if it was straight up, but it was a Razul and a fifth. Fifth, yeah. So, and if you do the if you do the math, the Packers are probably going to be on the early side of the fifth round, and the Bills are probably going to be the later side of the third round. Yeah. So you basically got like you went up around. Sure. Basically. Sure. So uh, that part of it, I I thought if it was just Razul for a pick straight up. Yes. Yeah. But when you're giving up one of your picks too, that's it's a little tougher. Not a. It wasn't a bad trade. It just wasn't like some. It, I don't think it was an offer that you couldn't refuse. But yeah, I, people, in our lifetime, we haven't seen the Packers this bad. So I feel like that's a weird part. And everybody's like, "Oh, you you know how good you got it, whatever." And now the more you watch games, it's like now I can just enjoy the game yeah. kind of like i don't give a shit if they win or yeah, lose because exactly. it's not gonna matter no yeah so that part I re- of it's quite i free. remember todd when they weren't very good just when i was starting to become a fan fan yeah. is like yeah. like i like my like the the whole um don Murkowski, that whole magic was band. like really when i started to get into it so just before that i can start to remember when they were but, I mean, they were terrible for, like, the 70s and the yeah. 80s, like, two yeah. decades. Yeah. We're not going to complain of five bad games here, so. No, and we knew it wasn't going to be a great season to right. begin with. There should I just have, don't should like, have been tempered expectations. I just don't like when everybody's calling these shows going, fire everybody. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like what? Like We're not what? the Carolina Panthers. They yeah. got their first win well, this last week. So Yeah. Look at how bad the Patriots have been since Brady left. I mean right. it's just right. it's just a big change. Yeah, I I th- they the hardest part I always think is when you see potential and that potential isn't achieved, like it did feel like this team wasn't 
they're not as bad as what their record does show. That's the hardest part probably is when you know they're sort of good, but they just can't. You've probably coached baseball teams like that, Bill, yeah, where it's sure. the hardest where you, you're like, gosh, I, we could have won that one. Or yeah, oh yeah. We were in it, or and then they lose. Those are the hard ones, and this team has a few of those this year, but they got injuries, but the whole NFL is injured. It's crazy how many yeah. quarterbacks are injured, how many people are injured. Like, it's, yeah, hamstrings just. Yeah, how do you feel if you're yeah. a Viking fan, right? You beat the Packers, your rival, and then after the game, I mean, during the game, you figure out that your quarterback's done for the year, yeah. right? Like, your season is over now. Yeah, at least we don't have to watch Rodgers play really well for the Jets. Cause until next year. Yeah, well, or until or the December. playoffs that he does somehow come back. But Supposedly, December is the... Did they say if Kirk back. Cousins went to this? I don't know. Secret, he should. Like, whoever his. Yeah, he should. He should have. I, I don't think Roger. his timeline would be as convenient. Rodgers was fortunate. It was True. Right, right away. Of the seat. Like, yeah. literally. No, first three plays. I, I still can see. Yeah, that was just wild. And it kind of happened the same way. Right. Like just kind well, of. You watch that hit. Because they replayed the hit and it was like, he like stopped. It, it wasn't like on the set. He like stopped and then got sacked. It yeah. was really weird. So it was like. Something happened, yeah. yeah. But otherwise, in the egg world, beans are still coming off in some spots. Where are or? all these beans? Co- it feels like <laughs> it feels like we should have been done with beans like weeks ago, and it's like they're still everywhere. It feels like they're a lot. It, it feels like you didn't even start harvest the way they're sitting well, out there. It's just well. a weird. And there are certain farms that are done with beans, but certain ones that are got a lot to go. On the and, drive yesterday, we saw some beans I, that had leaves hanging on them. Yeah, they were so. green. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just weird how much beans. The the you do look at like the current status of of where harvest is in the Midwest, and Wisconsin is way behind on beans. Sure. So. Harvest progress. We got a lot of like we got behind in the game somehow. Well, not somehow. It rained. Right. Finally, so it just now has rained for three weeks straight. So of course it's going to make bean harvest a lot tougher. Yeah. Well, no. Even when it wasn't raining, it wasn't sunny. You weren't getting good weather in between either. So. Um. But you know, corn is is moving on. Even if guys can't get beans, they're switching to corn in some cases and. So we got high moisture and corn grain coming off right now. Saw some combines going yesterday. So. You guys seen a big variance in as you're grabbing like stuff that you think would be ready is still hanging at twenty eight percent, and then certain stuff down in the tw- low twenties. Are you are you seeing where? I mean, it makes some sense. A lot of it is by day length, but at the same time, enough of it's like, man, I thought this would be drier than it I was is. showing some. What day was it, Matt? You came out. Monday, I think it Monday, was, or whatever, and it was like the cobs just fell a lot drier, and it shelled really good. Yeah, and it was still thirty three percent. Right, like it's it's just shell, like it doesn't. It seems like it should be drier than what it is. Yeah, and I don't know if that too is like we find like I know this corn when we do get dry sort of shuts down, and so that's what I'm kind of attributing to. Like when we got dry, the corn shut down. And now when we got rain, it kind of restarted again, but it was black. Layers. It was black layer. So stuff. how would it yeah. do that? I, it, it just has a weird feel to the year that we had enough heat units. We had enough stuff that we should be drier than what we are. And there's plenty of guys taking stuff off and it's in the low twenties. There is. Right. Especially you get under Ferrari, like 95 day and under. Mm-hmm. And especially like in like 89 days stuff or 90 day was kind of a right move this year to maybe back down the days or kind of, not get too aggressive on your day lengths but yeah it's there's some stuff going it's the year that won't quit 
It, it does. <laughs> so it's going to be something. And then you get Halloween, and Appleton gets six inches of snow or whatever. I don't know. What four and a half. It was four. Okay. Four and a half inches of snow there. The, there was a little bit more, I think, kind of the Iola, Scandinavia area. I think they hit like 4.6 or 4.7 inches. But yeah, it was more snow than we're used to on Halloween anyway. The way it timed, too, it was like right... Like, it kind of stopped for most people, because some they had to cancel Halloween's. I yeah, think. there was like an ice storm kind of thing in Sheboygan, yeah. I think, that yeah. shut yeah. down Halloween there. But otherwise, most other places still went on with trick-or-treating. It did seem like way less kids out, and our kids... Did your kids get, like, a way more candy than usual? Or, like, it, the candy give... Either the candy give out was up, or the kids were down, but the amounts were... I mean, they had a full... Mine didn't get any more than normal, oh, except, yeah. like, we did the tail end so like usually by seven o'clock when it ends like if you got some left the people are like take oh two sure handfuls. Just, like, yeah. i got another bucket in the house i can't eat all myself take two more handfuls yeah so you get some of that but yeah if you're early you get like oh a piece and then yeah at the end people are usually trying to just empty everything that's out. the move i didn't know that yeah that's wait. the trick yeah right. we did hit like five houses that the buckets were empty Sure, where they so my kid, they my kids were like they threw like a couple of pieces back in, in there. <laughs> and then <laughs> the people see. behind us just took it, and the bucket was empty <laughs> yeah. again. So. Yeah. The opposite of what normally happens when the first kid just dumps the whole bucket. Right, yeah. bag maybe that's what happened. Why yeah. it was empty? Did your kids throw the uh, the ones they didn't want in that bucket? <laughs> no, I don't know. I didn't watch. They just they were grabbed. just sorting. They're like, oh, yeah. I was like watching the big candy trade afterwards. Of, yep. Yeah. Like, hear you about this one. Yeah. Trading this for this. And I mean, yeah, like Reese's in general got to be the goat because nobody trades those at all. And Tootsie Rolls are pretty much anybody can just yeah. grab those. Tootsie Rolls are yeah. fair game for most people, yeah. I think. Or the, what are the flavored ones called? Footsies or something like that? Yeah. The little, yeah, like they're like fruity kind of, yeah. Yeah. Or fruities, or those yeah. are weirdly good or weirdly terrible, depending on what flavor you get. Right, it's very, very hit or miss on those. Yeah. All right, ready to get into our topic? Yeah. So, seed production—something that we we know happens, but is kind of a afterthought, I guess. Of you know, most of the corn and beans we deal with is for feed or going to the mill. You know, it's not grown to be planted again the following year um so where does our seed come from well some corn and beans are grown right here in wisconsin we know that yesterday we had the opportunity to tour a seed production facility in wisconsin here down in sun prairie so that was kind of neat to see the the whole behind the scenes almost look of how that production is done i think any farmer wherever you buy your seed from should take a tour of where it comes from because it is neat to see all the infrastructure that's there all the all what goes on to get that seed into a bag or a box and on your farm is uh, is amazing really i mean that we can store that many bags to plant have enough and never you know we'll run out of varieties once in a while in the book but there's never been sort of a catastrophic where you know, like, oh, we don't we don't have enough seed this year. Kind of, it's right. I there's can't just give you anything, I, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, there's good and bad years for that, but just the the infrastructure they have set up to do that is is amazing. I mean, the technology that's in these plants to do what they're doing, the the scale at what they're doing is pretty amazing, and the amount of people it even takes is it 
it takes enough people, don't get me wrong, but enough of it's becoming automated yep, too, which right. is really neat. So it, it's it's a really it's really cool to see how much is done too in in the Midwest, obviously to replant in the Midwest. And just the care that they take to have the highest quality of seed and production. And obviously, it's a business, so they, they need to make money, too. We all know that. but So they have to make it so they're profitable. But at the same point, like the care they take to get the highest quality seed, the best seed treatments, you know, not getting trash in the bag. We're, the, the guy that was taking us on the tour was talking about some seed treatments that would build up in certain spots and it would let loose then and then obviously it'd end up in the bag and like all the money and the time they take to try to prevent those things to get you the best product is pretty cool yeah you will even sorting by size and shapes and different things of of seed is something that you know we realize happens and the improvement with planters is maybe made less necessary but at the same time, it's still, you have guys that like, they're flat, so they're rounds, or they're, you know, different size seeds. So it is interesting, yeah, just to see the, the evolution of how... You even see the fanning mill process. I mean, we had a fanning mill growing up that, you know, an old little, like, that you'd put weed in, right? Right. And the scale that they were doing, especially in this bean plant, was huge. I mean, it was like every place you look was a shaker to shake them, and then they had color sorters. Um, just all kinds of things to prevent any of that poor seed from ending up in that bag. I mean, you open a bag of seed and you know, you'll see, you know, especially if it's a box, depending on how it's handled, you'll see some broken ones and some problem, but in general, that was done probably post all that, you know, what you're getting in that bag is just all pretty viable seed. With beans, there was like three different uh, stages or qualities. Like there was some that was just discarded yep like that just got sorted to the bottom and we're not even go here then the middle that got shoved to a color sorter that kind of was another level and then there was a the straight to the bag. straight like this is the good stuff straight to bag so like they're taking steps and even he grabbed for me anyway when i was standing next to him he grabbed the bottom end that was going straight to the trash he grabbed a handful and he's like look at there's like i mean he might have had like in his hand maybe i don't know 100 seeds or whatever and there was like 10 or 20 of them in his hand he's like that one's good that one's good that one's good but But, we can't take that risk right right. like this is what shook out to be the worst so that's going straight to the to the dumpster so or to the discard pile so they do throw away some good ones because they can't take that risk of putting that bad one in the bag well and and when we say throw away like it doesn't go into seed production it does it's not right, necessarily yeah. thrown away they don't just, no it goes to a mill or right it's not dumped out back and it's not landfill somewhere yeah yeah um but yeah so obviously with the day links of both corn beans that we grow in wisconsin some of them aren't viable especially the silage varieties for grain necessarily especially longer days True, yep. here so we can't grow all our own seed in the state of wisconsin so that's a good is, point man if you're getting that probably 105 day and more that's probably growing in illinois somewhere further south yep. and just it is neat to see different areas of seed production and basically how they got to specialize in that you've got you know to make a hybrid you need the male plant crossed with the female plant and you can't just once that crossed, you can't just use that hybrid, replant it, use that seed. It doesn't work. You have right. to make that cross yep. every time. 
So the care that's taken with that too, where you do, usually it's around, I mean, depending on how farms do seed production, but it's, you know, four male rows, excuse me, four female rows and then a male row and how they got to do that. I didn't realize um, our, our tour guide had said that the, you know, they had to plant the male rows the sometimes male. different than the female rows. That was that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was like, whoa. That. Yeah, that you go, and sometimes it's beforehand. You might need to just, you got to match the flowering up. Yep. And that would be tough because there'd be timings where if it was too wet to plant or you got delayed. And I mean, we know how hard it is just farming in general to get things all this line up right. And this is where you need to pollination to match on something that you can't predict. Well, the good You're news just, with that, though, Todd, is like in, in corn production, right, we want the picket fence to have equal cobs and not have late ones and those kinds of things. But with this male, it's like who cares, right? right we just you, want you as want, many plants to make a tassel as possible. Right, and you want probably it staggered as much as you can because yeah. then it's throwing, hopefully those males are throwing a lot of pollen, you know, all the time, like yeah. throughout to get enough pollinated and stuff but that pollination part for i mean we take a breath of fresh air when everything pollinates and you see like, okay we're good but for them that's got to be <laughs> well, even more of like uh and we like say just, male and female but it's as we know as granimus and as most of our listeners probably know corn is able to pollinate itself right? correct in this case it's we don't want it we're to. creating yeah. right no so that's a good point in that rows. in that so to do that, you have to deta- You have to remove the male part of the female rose, and then you have to, you know, usually mow down the male rose after the pollen's all shed, so yep. that those cobs don't, you know, do anything. Don't produce them. Yep. So yeah, to see their des- detas- the detasseling rigs, you know, and basically that process is usually it's a three stage process. Yeah, really. I in that part too, I had always seen parts of those stages, but to see the machines, I where you got kind of a stage where they just mow off the tassels. And then you have a stage where you got basically almost looked like a pitching machine. Like a plucker. It was. Yeah. It was totally a mission, pitching machine. It looked machine. like a pitching machine that would just pull out the, you know, the the tassels. And then usually it's a crew of people that kind of finish out. Because that too, think of if you had any. Any misses. Or, any, yeah, right. You could really that. screw that up. Yeah. It's like opposite of the feeder rolls of the combine, right? It's like. Right. Yeah. Them, pull yeah. it but out. it was just wheel, rubber wheels that spun. and Yeah. Right. Yanked them out. And there too is. I know there's restrictions. They got to watch of, I can't remember the exact, I think it was like 250 feet or 500 feet, but there's a, you got to be away from a neighboring corn, corn field, field too, right. that so, you don't get any cross contamination or any problems with that too. So, I, I mean, that, that would be a, there's a sign. There's a, oh, really, a big time yeah, that, that, I, that I would say the farmer today does take some of that for granted of when you grab that biggest seed, there's a huge investment in that and biotech and other things, but just just to get the seed to you, just the process of that is still still got to be remade every year. It's right, and and that's a good thing. We we think of well, that wouldn't be so hard to save seed back, but to to make sure it's stored properly and clean can work and, and clean. Yeah, well, and, and we think about I think in in our own clients and their operations how important gps has become and being able to keep your row straight but for these guys in the seed industry that's probably i i know they could do it without it but still it just to plant these rows right especially if you have to come back and plant again with the male rows or have the male rows in first you're dealing with numbers that don't line up it's not like you just need all 16 rows to plant because you need that male row in there like the the thought process, the calculation, and 
accuracy you need in this is all very detailed and very important to this process. I think so you're right, man. Of like, there was more. Like we plant corn on farms, we get used to that, and like we know there's a lot of thought put in that. And the amount of thought that had to be put in this was actually exponentially more than I even thought it would be. It's just like, well, no, it wouldn't be that hard to just plant some. Like, no, it's it, yeah, it is a science. So, any idea where the seed capital of the world is? You'd think one of the I states. Yeah, right? I would like, say it's got to be Iowa somewhere. Maybe yeah, Illinois, Iowa would be my guess. I wouldn't guess Indiana. I don't know why, but just yeah, Illinois or Iowa somewhere. You would think, but it's actually Constantine, Michigan. Okay, so that's the seed capital of the world. Ten percent of the U.S. seed corn is grown in Constantine or around Constantine, Michigan, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I, like you, I would have assumed it was somewhere in the I states because corn production, obviously, that's the corn belt, and they're known for. Corn production, but uh, Michigan's weather just happens to kind of coincide with good production in that part of the state. And so they produce quite a bit of seed corn there. Obviously, like we said, Wisconsin's got some too. For me saying like not even, it's very close to Indiana border, like right right there. So even that shocks me because I wouldn't do it. But it's kind of that southern... Kind of the south, a little bit to the west, Michigan. You know, if you now. Google map it, the, yeah, yeah. the aerial photo is like pivot after pivot after pivot. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, and look at Unless right. those are turbines. So it's irrigation. Yeah, no, those are, those lighter, are pivots. Yeah, those are pivots. Yeah. Yep. Lighter texture, well-drained soils, tempered buffer from frost by the Great Lakes. Sure. Um, so that's all the reasons I, they the, state. The, the Great Lakes frost thing would be a big deal, yeah. bigger than I thought, you know, because you want that. If that corn gets frosted at all, it, it's not viable anymore. So, you know, it's not good enough for seed quality purposes. So, basically, that part too kind of I don't want to say surprised me necessarily, but you gotta get you gotta start harvesting these in you know September so that you don't have frost. But like you say, in this area, they can probably go a little later. Yeah, you look. You also zoom in the airfoil. You got you've got um, Pioneer Hybrid International. Basically, just south of town, and then south of that, you got Bayer, and it says Monsanto. Yeah, so you got kind of your, your obviously two big players big yeah. that are are right in that area. Bill, there's little league fields right north of the. Well, that's the most the pioneer. Important. Like that's most. Important. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so yeah, and, and Constantine is not. A, I mean, it's the population in the 2010 census was 2,000 people. So like, you're yeah, not they talking need all the like land for big, corn. Time. Yeah, right, right. Nope. That's a lot of ball diamonds for two thousand people. By the way, <laughs> there's six ball diamonds there. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love Any, to be able anyhow to tell you guys how much of the corn production in the U.S. is for seed. But the best I could find was a chart here that says that lumps food, seed, and industrial corn together, and that's somewhere in the six billion bushel range. So obviously, that's not all seed production. Yep. Bill and I were doing the math on that, Matt, because you, you go, say, 92 million acres, figure guys plant around 30 to, 30 to 32,000. It was like right around 36 million bushels of corn need to be saved back right. for the next year's crop, which if but, you think about that is a lot, of, lot more than you'd sort of think. And seed production fields, you know, you're not going to get 200 bushel right. crop off of these. You're going to get... A hundred would be good, you know, like 
you're getting 60 to 120 bushels off of these. That and though we do grow a lot of our own, some production is out of out of country even. So there's other places that, that do seeds, especially there's the winter production areas in the world. So, yes, we know we can figure out how many acres we'd need in terms of production, but it's not all done here in the U.S., um, or in especially not in the state of Wisconsin. A lot is done in the U.S., but um, there's other places as well. So um, just kind of a neat thing to to think about you know like i said we we grab the bag or the box and we see it in the field and we watch it grow but you know where where did that seed come from that's something we don't always talk about and um after that tour yesterday just thought that'd make for a kind of a neat talk today so i would i still would have thought like when you go down i-39 how many like seed signs so when you're headed to like a springfield illinois for us or like a in and I can't remember where Beck Seeds is, but I think they're right off. Northern Illinois. Champagne. Champagne, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, you'd think, like, somewhere in that area would have been. So, it's interesting to know that, nope, it's better to be in that side of Michigan. You're tempered by the by Lake Michigan. and yep. Yeah. And the, and to zoom in on that city, and it's not big, but holy man, do they... To make 10% even is unbelievable. Right. That's, that's cool. That's a good chunk. So, all right. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So obviously tire spots, a big topic that we've talked about a lot over the last few years as it's emerged as a potential disease threat to corn. Uh, this year we didn't really see a lot of it, but that doesn't mean you know next year could be a year that we see more of it. It's Diseases are just that way. We, we don't always see them every year or in great numbers, but uh, it was first spotted in Illinois and Indiana in 2015, so eight years ago. Tar spots have been affecting corn in several states across the eastern U.S. Uh, while mild cases can be combated with fungicide or certain hybrid varieties, more serious outbreaks could result in heavy losses. Uh, but growers fighting the ongoing battle, there could be light at the end of the tunnel as new research from the Agriculture Research Service, or ARS, uh, is, they have identified several different species of fungi and bacteria that can stop tar spot from developing. So according to Purdue University, tar spot is a fungus known as Phylacora matus that presents itself on corn plants as small raised black spots called stromata. And if you've ever had a tar spot in your field, you know what it looks like. Almost looks like fly poop at the beginning, so you always got to kind of check, do the wipe test. Do the scratch-off test. Yep, see if if it comes free or if it's attached to the plant. And the fungi and bacteria found by ARS scientists... Um, can grow and reproduce on or inside the tar spots stromata, parasitizing the fungus and causing it a failure to germinate. So they used DNA to identify the species and found that they are known biological control agents of diseases affecting other crops. So they did some trials and exposure to spores of Glycadium cantonalatum which is a commercially available biocontrol fungus, prevented 88% of tar spot fungus stromata from germinating. And an alternaria fungus isolated from tar spot stroma prevented about 45% of stromata from germinating. So not 100% effective, but still I'd take 88% control. That's pretty, pretty darn good if they can find a way to introduce it. Worked for Marty McFly. That's right. 
88 miles an hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're up. fighting fire with fire here. Keep up, Todd. Uh, uh, yeah, in, in <laughs> some cases, that fungus, fungus comes, yeah, fungus with fungus. So uh, they're continuing to explore, obviously, the with this research. So they're examining the basic biology and genetic underpinnings of tar spot, developing molecular markers to speed the search for new sources of tar spot resistance, and exploring strategies to make better use of fungicides registered for use against tar spot in corn. So it's great to see positive news like that um, on an, in a relatively short amount of time, considering that the this disease has been only been around in our area for um, the past eight years. So kind of a cool thing. All right, now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. So since we're talking seed production today, figured we'll do a little history on it. So until the late 19th century, most U.S. farmers depended on seed saved from their own crops cultivated in the previous year and did not purchase significant quantities of seed from commercial sources. It was not uncommon for farmers to share surplus seed with friends and neighbors. The advent and expansion of seed certification programs between 1915 and 1930 brought about large increases in the number of farmers who purchased seed from commercial traders instead of producing it themselves or obtaining it locally from neighbors. Seed certification programs provided quality assurances to farmers, leading to a rise in the role of commercial seed markets. The development and diffusion of hybrid corn varieties with their inherent capacity to protect returns to private investment, transformed the U.S. seed industry. Beginning in 1930, approximately 150 companies formed to produce hybrid corn seed, and some 40 existing seed companies expanded their business to include production of hybrid seed corn. While most firms were established to produce and sell seed, some also instituted in-house research and breeding programs known to improve existing hybrids. As long as the lineage of a company's hybrid remained unknown to competitors or farmers, the company continued to hold a unique and marketable product until an even better hybrid was developed. By 1944, U.S. sales in the seed corn market had expanded to over $70 million, establishing corn as the core business of the U.S. seed industry. And obviously today we know the... There are still several companies that produce seed corn, but a lot of them are under um, larger company umbrellas, and we've seen some mergers and distribution of different traits and stuff across the industry. So it's really a relatively new thing when you when you think about it. It is neat, and to think of what what it would take if we had to save seed back yet, <laughs> right? And that huh. that we can. I mean, it's expensive to buy every year, yes but you're buying a lot of technology and you're buying even just the, that process that you don't have to worry about saving it back every time and you can sell all your grain. So thank you, Matt, and thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. To subscribe, all you need to do is search Tilt Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on Android, you need an app like Podcast Addict or Google Podcasts. And you can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to TiltAg dot com slash podcast please rate and review the podcast that would help us out tremendously so all you need to do is you know put a five stars and maybe write some comments of what you learned or anything like that would really help because any way we can get this to pop up 
on other people's feeds would be great. And you can also follow us on Facebook and X at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Thanks, Todd. Now we'll do our cool beans, that's corny, and some current events. So cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right. Our cool beans this week. Cranberry yields are looking good. So as I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, Wisconsin's a big producer of cranberries, even though we we don't necessarily deal with them in our business, more corn and beans. It is still a big part of Wisconsin. And so cranberry growers, despite... The drier weather we've had, of expecting a good crop this year. So they're about half done, and yields are looking good so far. So Thanksgiving dinner should still have those cranberries on the table. Uh, cranberries spend most of the season green, but start turning in August. And so even though it was dry, irrigation allowed growers to have uh, almost 100% control on crop inputs. So we are the top cranberry producer in the U.S. and in the world, actually, uh, growing about 4.8 million barrels last year. Massachusetts is number a lot two. Of barrels. That is a lot of barrels, and they only produce 1.2 million. I wouldn't have guessed Massachusetts million. is number two either. That's cool. Yeah. So we are we produce 53 percent of the world's cranberries, followed by Canada and Chile. Nice. So. Always good to have some positive things happening here in Wisconsin. Unfortunately, that's corny this week. The farm bill, not going to happen this year. Shocking. There will be an extension, according to Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. So without a revival of the 2018 law, which expired on September 30th, or in the enactment of a new farm bill, uh, government guaranteed price of fresh milk is going to more than double on January 1st. So... They'll have to potentially end or uh, extend the life of the 2018 Farm Bill into 2024 so they can finish working on the new Farm Bill. Uh, they don't have a particular end date yet as far as like how long of an extension. They've recommended a one-year extension to give them enough time to finish. So hopefully that'll be enough. But you never it know. It probably won't be enough. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. All right. And then to wrap things up with our Field Good Friday, we've got Kids and Cows, which helps prepare the next generation for agriculture. So Wisconsin group bringing education and the show ring together, teaching young people about animal agriculture. The 18th annual Kids and Cows event was recently held by the Northern Wisconsin Beef Producers Association. Uh, so this... This year they had 188 kids pre-registered for it, so that's a pretty good number. The tiniest person, according to Northwood Technical College egg instructor Julie Wodzinski, said was about four or five, all the way up to 21-year-olds. So a pretty good age range of people involved. Where, where do, like, what fairgrounds is this at? Because to be this like much later too in the year, it's kind of a neat way to do it actually. Right. Yeah, it doesn't say specifically kind of where where yeah, it was. Just in northern Wisconsin. Northern Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the article they didn't mention the specific place. But did kid, you ever do kids and calves, Matt? When you were I did. Even my kids have done kids yeah. and calves. So. Yep. 
I like the hats you used to get. Yeah, the those, little like, like butcher hat yeah, thing that they did. That was like yeah. the best part of it. <laughs> so, but yeah, educational programs like this um, help kids learn more about agriculture, get to, you know, the hands on feel of working with animals. So it's kind of neat to have these kinds of things for kids to learn about ag. So. All right, that'll do it this week. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about corn seed production, where it's grown, and some of it's right here in Wisconsin. In our spotlight, we took a look at new hope for battling tar spot in our fields. Egg History Minute, we talked the history of seed production. Cool beans this week was cranberry yields are looking good in Wisconsin. That's corny is an extension for the farm bill, meaning we won't see a new farm bill by the end of 2023. And our Field Good Friday was kids and cows helping prepare the next generation for agriculture. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming. <laughs>